Father God, we come before you now. We lift up this time for you and for your glory. May you open our ears to hear. May you open our mind to understand. And may you move us to action. Be with us in each and everything that we do and say and hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm honored to be with you guys this morning. If you're listening online or if you're here, we are in week two of a series called Catalyst. And during this time, our primary source of scripture is going to be the book of Acts. Now, we know that this book uh, we call Acts was written by a Gentile physician named Luke, and the same Luke that wrote the gospel that bears his name. And last week, Hunter took us through the first two chapters of Acts, which was probably the most important history of the church, in that we saw that the Holy Spirit was given to the believers in that room. But before we go into our text today, I want to take a little bit of a review time to bring us up to our story as well, if you were not here last week. See, Luke tells us in the first chapter that after the resurrection, Jesus presented himself alive to the disciples and was with them for 40 days. He tells them during that time, do not leave Jerusalem and that to wait for the promise of the Father and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Afterwards, they see Jesus ascend into heaven, and then they return to Jerusalem, and they elect another disciple named Matthias. In chapter 2, we find them all in one place, and they hear the sound of a rushing wind. Divided tongues of fire appear and rest on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in languages and tongues of other people that were there in Jerusalem. Now, this day that we know Pentecost, we call Pentecost, is an important day in the life of the Hebrew people because this day was the beginning of their fourth feast of the springtime called the Feast of Weeks. It was commanded by God in Leviticus 23, and Jews from all over the region came to Jerusalem to celebrate this particular festival. It took place 50 days after First Fruits, the Feast of First Fruits, or what we know as Resurrection Sunday, and this day is called Pentecost. Our text tells us that all of the people were amazed at hearing these different languages that were spoken by the disciples, particularly since they were Galileans. Now, if you can imagine Jerusalem at this time, there were people from all over the region, and so uh, it was shocking to them to hear their own language being spoken by the disciples. But after this giving of the Holy Spirit, we see Peter do something that he had not done prior. He stands up, and he gives his first sermon. And in that, Scripture tells us that 3,000 people believed and were baptized, and the church age as we know it today begins. Luke tells us that God continually added to their number day by day to those that were being saved. And this brings us to our text today. So if you will join me in reading in Acts in chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, 
the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, if you think about this, this is a remarkable story. Peter and John go out into the community to perform the first healing post-Jesus. And if we think through the timeline of the past couple of months of their lives, it's quite a change in their lives. Now, assuming that this event happened right after Pentecost, we would only have to go back around 53 days to get to the crucifixion and resurrection. These three days prior to that resurrection was the crucifixion, and both men were very different people in those three days. You have Peter, who denied even knowing Jesus three times right after he was arrested. And Peter was nowhere to be found during the crucifixion. John was the only disciple that we know of that stayed by the cross until the end, and Jesus left him in charge of his mother. And for three days, the disciples thought that their world had ended and that Jesus' life actually had no meaning after all. But then the resurrection happened, and they meet the resurrected Jesus. The Jesus who had died and the Jesus who had returned to life, they saw the holes in his hand, they saw the holes in his feet, they saw the hole in his side, and he appeared to them, and he was with them, teaching them for 40 days afterwards. He prepared them for what was coming. And not only that when he promised when he leaves them, he was going to actually send someone that was going to be a benefit for him and was going to be a counselor and a guide, and we know that was the Holy Spirit. And it was at this moment that their life was forever altered and changed. They were not the old Peter and John prior to the resurrection. They were something new. They now had a power in them that prevented them from running and hiding. In fact, this power prevented a fantastic change. Here's what they now had. They understood they had a new identity, a new belonging, and a new purpose. 
And it's these three words that I want to focus on today in the context of our reading of this story. If I ask anyone in here today to tell me your identity, I would probably get a variety of answers. Many of you would tell me your occupation. Some of you would describe yourself in the status of a family as a mom or dad or a son or a daughter, but our answers would be all over the page. But here's what identity asks of us. Identity asks the question, who am I? The focus is on me. You see, our society today is obsessed with identity. People identify with all kinds of tribes and groups, from nationality to socioeconomic status, to race, education, occupation, age, gender, sexual orientation, political party, religion. The world is obsessed with where people fit in. In gender alone, the world now claims over a hundred ways in which one can identify, and it's enough to make our heads spin. But I want to simplify it for us today so that we here as Christians have no confusion. When I'm talking about identity, there are only two options. We can either identify with Jesus or we identify with the world. There's nothing in between. One leads to hope, a life of fulfillment, and eternal life. The other leads to despair, an unfulfilled life, death, eternal separation, and eternity of torment in hell. And all these other labels or identities that the world gives and, and tries to put on each and every person means absolutely nothing. But our identity in Jesus means absolutely everything. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, Peter and John in our story understood this. Roughly 53 days after the resurrection, their life changed dramatically. Why? Because they met the resurrected Jesus. They did life with him, and now they had the Holy Spirit of God living in them. And see, I worry that the modern church doesn't get this meaning. I mean, we are good at asking Jesus into our heart, and I think we've got the baptism thing down pretty well. But what I wonder is this. Do we really and truly realize that we have one of the Trinity living in us, the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians 1.13, Paul says this, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. By giving us the Holy Spirit, God stamps his seal on each of us at our conversion. And then the Holy Spirit is who continues to testify 
and authenticate the reality of the relationship that we have with Jesus, making us more and more like Jesus. There's a book that I would highly recommend you reading, and it's several years old, but it's by Francis Chan, and it's called The Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. I want to read a quote Francis says in this book. He says, if it's true that the Spirit of God dwells in us and that our bodies are the Holy Spirit's temple, then shouldn't there be a huge difference between the person who has the Spirit of God living inside him or her and the person who does not? You see, I think many in the modern church are scared of the idea of having the Spirit of God indwelling in us. I don't even know that everyone here truly believes that. I hope you do. But those that do believe that, I think there's a flip side of it in that they're scared to death of the Holy Spirit because they're scared that he's going to ask them to go somewhere or do something that's very uncomfortable. You see, we can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church. If we do that, then what we see ourselves doing is coming here for one hour each week, checking our box, going back outside and living the world the same way that we walked in here doing the rest of the week. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, you were taught to put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lust and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. Peter and John were only able to put away their former sinful life by first placing and finding their identity in Jesus and then submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit. It was only then that they were able to go up to a 40-year-old lame beggar and say, look at me, and say, get up and walk. Here's something else Peter and John knew and believed. Our identity is for the sake of of making known his identity. I ask this question to those here and listening today. Do we see our identity as existing for the sake of making Jesus known? Peter and John did. Let's go down in Acts chapter 3. Let's skip down to verse 11 and look at this. While he clung, he being the lame beggar, the lame beggar clung to Peter and John and all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? And he continues down in verse 15. 
And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. You see, the beggar is clinging to Peter and John because they think he did, they did this on their own power. And the other people thought that too, and they are astonished at it. Yet Peter and John say, no, don't look at us. It is the power through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that this man walks again. Because Peter and John's identity at that point in time was to make Jesus' identity known and that is the power of living with Jesus. We have that same power, church, and we have that same identity. And so I ask you again, is your identity in Jesus, and do you believe that you have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you? You see, even with our identity in Christ... With the confusion of the world today, I believe that we have to focus on two other focuses, and that is the second one being belonging. And belonging asks the question, where do I fit? This focus then turns from me to us. See, many have lost or they've never had a true sense of belonging. For all of our great advances in technology, modern Americans are more distracted than ever before. Despite constant, always-on connectivity, we're lonelier than any other human group in history. All is not well with us. And it's not just those that are outside of the faith in the church. The search for true Belonging exists right here amongst our own congregation. We ask, to whom do we belong? Is it, if it's true, we must belong to ourselves? And the great question that haunts so many in this day is, who are my people? Because belonging is a primary human need beyond food and shelter and clothing, Nothing promotes human flourishing like having a people of belonging. Research confirms that income level, marriage, children, and perceived security all pale in comparison to promote belonging and promoting such happiness. We long to belong. And the church, Jesus calls his ecclesia, is God's creation, as Psalm 68, 6 says, to set the lonely in families and to give us a place to belong. Churches promote belonging by reorienting their ministries and their strategies around thriving community by inviting people to be a part of that community, not just challenging them to commit. But the problem today is our culture and society is so segmented and focused on individualization that I think we forget what it means to be a part of believers, of a body of believers. We focus on ourself and not the church body. We think the church exists for us 
and not us for the church. We say we are a family here at Getwell, but do we believe that? Does that show through in our actions? Are we just consumed with having things our way, programs we like, events we are used to? Do we get mad and walk away when things don't go the way we think they should, and we look for another place that gives us what we want? Well, that's called consumerism. That's not being part of a body. And it's hard to exist as a church, Christ's body of believers, unified for the kingdom when we don't even understand our own belonging. Paul says in Galatians 3, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. When we belong to this community we know and love called Get Well, we belong to God, not to ourselves, and not to the world. Belonging to him means belonging to his people and his family. It means belonging to what we call the church. Peter and John, as Jesus' followers filled with the Holy Spirit, then understood belonging. Peter preached. God added to the number of believers. People now had a sense of belonging in Jesus, and they devoted themselves to the apostles and teaching and to the fellowship of breaking of bread and prayers. You see, there's no room for an individual in here or what they want. They understand that it is for the collective. That moves us to our last focus, and that is purpose. See, purpose asks the question, what difference do I make? Because the focus now looks outward to our world. In the world today, people is searching for purpose. And the world believes many purposes. The world believes that it can find its meaning through a group or a tribe or a political party or an ideal Yet as we look at the world around us, it's falling apart. It's a wreck. That's because of the one who the world identifies with, and it's not with Jesus. See, once we identify with Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit and are part of a church community and a faith community. We have now the ability to know what our purpose is, and our purpose is to go and serve others. Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples, go make other disciples. He'd already said, love God and love your neighbor. But this Holy Spirit living in us is what enables us with certain gifts to fulfill those purposes. Peter himself says in 1 Peter 4, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift Each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength 
that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. Our purpose of service is that God may be glorified, not ourselves. It's not about us, it's about him. And we struggle with this as fallen human beings. We struggle in an area of service. We feel that we don't have enough knowledge to go share the gospel with someone. We feel like we have to obtain a certain level of Christianity before we are equipped to go out and do it. And I say, first, just read your Bible and get in the gospel and go tell someone about it. You know, he promises us that he will equip us for the work that he wants us to do. Let's look at Paul in Ephesians 4, what he says. Each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To maturity, to the measure of the full statue of Christ. Many gifts given by Christ for one purpose, to equip the body all for the glory of God. See... We don't have to worry about how we're going to be able to do this. We just need to step out in faith, believing that through the Holy Spirit, God will equip us to do what he wants us to do. You see, everybody here, everybody in Christ was born for a particular purpose and a particular plan. And our goal in life is to find out what that is. Now, here's the bottom line for our purpose. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our purpose in life is to glorify him and make him known. So I ask the question... Who am I? And my, best, my question is best answered by God's grace. You see, if you're a Jesus follower, you've experienced this grace. You've been forgiven of sin. You've been given a new life. You've been given hope. You have been unshackled from that sin. And you're free to go live life to the fullest in Him. If you've not become a follower of Jesus, I invite you to do so. If nothing else, think about it. If you have questions, that's what we and staff are here for. Because this Jesus wants a relationship with every person listening and sitting here. 
And you see, when once I identify with Jesus, I ask, where do I fit? And my question is best answered simply by God's love. See, I fit into a community of believers here called Get Well Church, who our purpose, we know, is to build each other up and equip each other for the work of the kingdom. And that question of belonging is then answered. So what's my purpose? My question is best answered by God's mission. You are called to serve. You are being equipped in this building every time you walk in here to go out into that community in this county, in this area to share the gospel, make disciples and love each other and love your neighbor. And our final point today to wrap up, in Christ, in our identity, belonging, and purpose is defined in terms of what Jesus does to us, the relationship he creates with us, and the destiny that he appoints for us. So here's my challenge to you this week. Don't let this day be just another day where you walked in here and you leave and you say, yes, I went to church. I know that God, if you are a believer in Christ, God is going to place somebody around you in your circle of influence that you will have an opportunity to witness to or just to serve and be the hands and feet of Christ. But until we are willing to walk out there and accept that challenge and accept that role, it's just another day. So that's my challenge this week. And I know God's going to work through you in that. And we want to hear those stories. In Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, for his glory in all things. Let us pray. Father God, we just come before you now and we confess that we get lost in this world. We let the world pull us and we forget that our identity is who we are can only be fulfilled in you and with a community of believers serving out our purpose in this community for your kingdom. So be with each person today as they hear this challenge, as they hear the word and help each and every one of us be as bold as Peter and John in whatever purpose and plan you have for us. We ask this in your name, Jesus, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.